Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Danny Jollis is a stand-up comedian best known for his role acting and singing as George on the CW's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. His other TV credits include Hulu's Rami, Comedy Central's Corporate, Netflix's Auntie Donna's House, and Quibi's Royalties. As a stand-up, Jollis was a new face at Montreal's Just for Laughs in 2017, and he followed that up with a performance on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, Jollis filmed his first stand-up comedy special, Six Parts, in a variety of unusual locations, including a surf shop, hair salon, art gallery, and a gym. We spoke about the making of that special and putting it out on YouTube for free, his younger days in online sketch comedy with the likes of Jack Quaid and Matt Rogers, the secret to booking national commercials, and the lasting impact of Adam Schlesinger and Kevin Barnett. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it! So, Danny Jollis, uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, last things first, how does how does a Jewish kid from Virginia get an IMDb credit as an Australian soap star in the '90s? Thank you so much. And it is uh, a credit I have uh, asked them to remove uh, probably 15 times. Uh, I have written IMDb. I've told them different. It's not me. Please don't. It's not true. They refuse to to remove it. And now it's created intrigue. And I think people think that I'm, you know, they're like, oh, wow, this guy really worked as like a young Australian actor. And I say, yeah, I did. But no, it's not me. And I've begged them to remove it. It's fascinating to me because it's a reminder that as much as everyone uses IMDb as 100% factual, there are occasional nuggets in there that are just complete bonkers. Complete, complete lies. There's... There's also things in there that like are real that I've tried to get in that like they fought me on. Like I've had I need to be drives me up a wall. Well, especially is it better or worse now that it's owned by Amazon? I don't know. I think I mean, the 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 go to answer with when something's owned by Amazon is it'll be run more efficiently. It'll be faster. But if something goes wrong, it'll never get fixed. Mm. That tends to be the Amazon way is like. The product is going to go through the roof as far as like efficiency, but God forbid you have a problem. God forbid. Well you, well, you didn't have to worry about Amazon for making your uh, brand new comedy special, Six Parts, which is out this March. Let's go. Yes, Con- it is. Congrats on that. Um, Thank you. I, I'm curious to know what, what was your relationship with Don't Tell Comedy before this? did you have one oh yeah no i so i don't tell comedy for those who don't know uh is a company started a couple years ago where their entire business model was we do shows at any place but a comedy club that's just kind of their model name of a bunch of you know as long as we can put chairs in a space we do it and there were a lot of comics particularly out of the gates who were like very not into that um, cause you'd walk into these spaces and they would sometimes be, you know, almost like doing a college, you know, it's like that feeling of when you book a college and you sort of, you have a, you have a sheet of paper that tells you like this time, this date, get here at this time. 
and you can show up and it can be a theater or you can show up and it can be a cafeteria and it's the same sheet of paper. You, it's just a like mystery bag doing a college. <laughs> and right. that's, and that's what don't tell is like, it's like, you just didn't know. And I loved it. Like I was early. I just was like, Kyle uh, is one of the founders. I just was like, I'll do any of these shows. I love these shows. I think it's so fun. I think it's interesting. Uh, it makes me have to change up the way I'm saying jokes because of the room, which is good. It keeps, you know, it's so much a comedy to me. It's about being present. That's what makes comedy the best art form on the planet is because it's the most in the room of any art form. And when the room changes, it gets particularly in the room. So I was just so into it. So I'd done their shows for forever. And then when I came up for this idea for a special, I was like, would you guys ever be consider do a special? Cause you're the place that would do this. So, yeah. Yeah. Before I saw that their name was attached to it, I thought you were, you were perhaps trying to make a statement about the state of the comedy scene in Los Angeles. <laughs> to go, this is what comedy in LA is like now. We have to do it in I, hair salons and. I know. I wish I wish I had CrossFit the. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. No. I wish I had that kind of. Uh, this is a statement on uh, type thought that went into this. But the truth is, we just went this is something we like doing. Like we'd already done so many of these shows. I just loved doing their shows. And then we were like, let's do something wild and like find these weird random spots. A lot of those spots I'd done before. So it was like, you know, they just were like, there's the surf shop. I was like, love that surf shop. Done that surf shop. Great surf shop. Weird, weird vibe. Like it was great. So we did it, but it was also an, I mean, cause I feel like this is, by the way, the comics comic, do, do people come on here and tell you what a big deal like your site is for young comics? I wish they did. So thank you for you, doing so. <laughs> let me, let me, and let me, let me, cause you, you know, you say it's nice things about me. I want to say some nice things about you. I, there's, there aren't many sites for comics. There's a lot of sites about comedy, but when you're a young comic, it's like, you know, and I started in New York. So it was like bad Slava was how I was finding open mics. Right. That's the open and, mic site. Yeah. Yeah. And I came out to LA, it was the comedy bureau, but then the comics comic is like the place that I was like, oh, this is just, if I just want to know everybody doing a late night, everybody, it was that site. I, I mean, I go, your site is very important for young comics. Really, 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 really helpful. Thank you. And also, I guess that's kind of intimidating because that, that puts added pressure on me to give them good info. <laughs> I mean, or, I guess or, so. it makes, or it makes me feel like I'm to blame for what's happening in comedy. I think comedy's doing great. I, I'm a. I, I think comedy's doing great. I mean, we're strugg- I mean, we're struggling due to COVID, like everyone else. But like, our fight back has been, I think, really good. I think people have, for the most part, been really responsible in the scene, and also like, you know, the outdoor shows have been really like. In- I've done so many that I'm like, this is safe. This is good. We're doing this very well. We've pivoted very well, and we're going to come back stronger than ever. And we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, tell me about what your experiences with the internet as a young comic were like. I know you were involved in like making web series and yeah, yeah, yeah. things I've other than a... just other than the, just the basic stand up career. Yeah, no, I did. So I've gone. I've I love the internet, and it's why I wanted to put this on. I fought incredibly hard to put this on YouTube against many a rep call. I said this has to go on YouTube. I was hell bent on it. Um, I just believe, cause I believe in the internet. I believe the internet is a place that, um, 
if you make something good, they will rise it up. If you make something bad, they will smash you down. And that's the risk you take. There's a solid, we are taping this pre this thing coming out. There's a solid chance this thing gets destroyed because the internet, if it doesn't like something, will let you know. And that's the risk you take. But I love that about the internet. So my early experience with the internet was, my first real one was we went, so I had a sketch group called Chess Club. We went viral uh, pretty early in our like creation of sketches. We went viral with this like icebreaker sketch. How old were you um, in Chess Club? That was right when I was graduating college. Okay, and you went to NYU, that was my. Right? I went to NYU. Okay. NYU uh, was in Hammer Cats, and then okay. started a sketch group with uh, David Sidorov and Matt Rogers called Chess Club Comedy. Uh, we went viral. Back then, go, I, I was scared of going viral. I remember being, it was like a terrifying experience. Because uh, I was like, what is, and then I remember just being so like, yeah, people are critical, but that's, you know, you have, if you're going to put stuff online, you have to be aware of criticism. I loved it. So it went viral there. Then the, one of our sketches got on Tosh.0, which like launched it into like another stratosphere for that sketch. Because that was like, because Tosh.0 is like the internet on TV. So it was like the ultimate. We were there as like a viewer video or a viewer video. And they showed like, it was this minute and a half long sketch uh, with me and Alana Glazer called Guess. And it's a great sketch. And, uh, and this is before and she was on Broad City. First time. I remember calling her and she was like, okay, it's me on Comedy Central. It was like, cut to two years later. It's like, you run Comedy Central. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she... Um, and, but it was like a minute and a half long sketch. And we looked and like the usual viewer video was like 20 seconds. You know, it's usually some guy falling. Right. So we were like, this is going to, I was so, that one I remember being so scared by, I was like, Tosh is going to destroy this thing. Like somehow we made such a bad sketch. It's like hit his radar is bad. <laughs> and they're like tricking us. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember literally watching it live sweating. Cause he was like, and now our viewer video and they cut to it and they showed probably like a minute of it. It was really long. And at the end, he was like, that was really funny. We'll be right back. And it was just like, and I remember just like passing out, being like, oh, my God. Uh, it was the happiest day of my life. And then, uh, so Chess Club went on, did a bunch of great like sketches, sort of got used to that viral world, that early viral world. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started a group called Sasquatch Comedy uh, out in L.A. with me, Jack Quaid, Nick Williams, Zach Weber. We went viral. Our like second video we put out was our, our biggest one, the party cooler. Mm-hmm. Went like super viral, front page of Reddit. And then we just, we put out a video. We put out a sketch a week for a year. And by, it was by plan? By plan. We were like, let's do this thing. We all were uh, wildly out of work. And we were like, let's just make something. And we had these incredible directors, Jeff Plitt, Tyler McIntyre, uh, who just like, stepped up and were willing to edit and put in the and like help us and it was it was awesome and so we just got very used to it. that group got so we got so used to the internet and so it was true with my stand-up like my stand-up i've had you know various jokes on laugh factory do really well and stuff like that and i just well, again when i was pointing out the special i just was like hey you know what's always served me well the internet and real people. And you know what constantly lets me down a random channel that people have to pay to see a thing on. And I just was like, let's go back to the internet, baby. Put it out but, there for free. But from what you're saying, I gather there was never a point at either 
chess club or Sasquatch where your group was thinking, well, we could turn this into a TV show? Well, we, no, we tried. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, let me be clear. We did uh, desperately hunt uh, any way to make money doing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, uh, it just Sasquatch in particular, I, to this day, I'm like, I don't understand how we don't, how we never got a sketch show. I think we have such a specific voice. Um, You know, I remember going into meetings being like, particularly going into meetings early being like, Hey, Jack is going to become famous tomorrow so why wouldn't you snatch us up put aside me and, <laughs> and our ability jack did become famous uh, i was it was in the jack was the most talent jack is the most talented human on the planet and not just because also, he's a quaid yeah well and, and so it's like you know early you go oh he's a quaid whatever but then you meet jack and you're like he's the sweetest nicest person on the planet he's insanely talented it, it, nice in a way that like i'd say for the first two years i knew him i was like where's the real Jack? There's gotta be something lying underneath this. He's just the sweetest, nicest person. So you have talked about somebody that sweet and that talented. You're like, yeah, this guy's going to be huge. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. He, 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 he makes the boys work. He makes it work. He's yeah. so good. And I'm telling you, like, I, I still think everyone's still scratching the surface on what Jack Quaid is possible. is capable of. He is so talented. But when um, you guys were in the room as Sasquatch, it was, you weren't getting just couldn't sell it we came close we just couldn't sell it and we had to and, and we had like a really good way of doing a sketch show we were really excited about it and we just couldn't sell it and so now jack's a um, now jack is filming approximately 364 days out of the year and uh but we when he's available i'm sure i like it'll work out but we can i remember being in rooms being like guys even if you don't believe in our product just this guy <laughs> Just sign on for this guy. What are we doing? <laughs> I guess that makes, you know, there's a line in your, in your special where you talk about uh, getting to do a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. And that hits, like, hearing this backstory just now makes that hit even harder because it feels like you were just looking for something, anything to hit. To, so to have one Dunkin' Donuts commercial, like, pay your bills for a year oh. must have been, like... Commercials paid my bills for years and years. Commercials, I've done a lot of commercials. Fun fact about Danny Jollis. You go back, you, you take a look at old TV. I've done Coca-Cola. I've done Pepsi. I've done Dunkin' Donuts, which is referenced in there. And that is a real commercial that I will be putting out when the special comes out next to it. Because people do have to see it as 100% real. And I'm describing it to a T. They, I'm leaving out zero details. I saw um, it. I found it online, although I don't know if it was only a Hispanic version or was there also an English version? <laughs> there is. <laughs> there is the version Spanish I saw was in Spanish. So there's a Spanish version. Mm-hmm. Then there's also an English version. But the Spanish version works. You get it. I mean, yeah. is it not exactly what I said? It's like mm-hmm. truly that. Um, yeah, I did Dunkin' Donuts. I did uh, uh, Comcast. I did Taco Bueno. I did Mike's Hard Lemonade. I did. I mean, I've done so many commercials. I was I was booking for a while. I was on a tear of booking commercials where I was chased by animals. I'm one of the top ten. If you need somebody to be chased by animals mm-hmm. in a commercial, I think I'm one of the most bookable people on the planet. Very good at it. <laughs> what's What's the secret to booking that office? You have, so I studied the, voice the method. Or the face. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, so as a method actor, what mm-hmm. you want to do is you want to put yourself in that place. And you no, it's literally just screaming. I just have a funny scream. Uh, <laughs> and that does it. I love tra- particularly commercials when I hear anybody like at, I remember we went to, we had a, a NYU. They had like a commercial acting class taught by this guy, Zach Galligan, who's very talented. Oh, yeah. But I just remember the more I've done commercials, the more I'm like, I'll teach you how to book a commercial in two seconds. Ready? Just do what they say and then hope for the best. Don't overthink it. Like, do not be, make, do not actor it. But, but, you know, I don't, I don't hear comedians talk about this enough or I didn't pre pandemic. Um, you know, everybody talks about the importance or what used to be the vast importance of getting a late night spot on TV. But it seems like, at least in this day and age, getting a nationwide commercial is even more prestigious or important than getting to do Colbert. Certainly more money. Certainly more money. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that. Um, The thing about commercials more than anything else. Well, that's a great, great. So here's what I'll say about both because I've done both. I've had the national and in particular, I had like one Pepsi one that was like, during the World Series, massive, just, you know, huge, me and Odell Beckham, big one. And I've done Colbert. Having, ambushing your family with your face on TV is hands down the biggest pop I've ever received from family in Virginia. Just nothing will ever touch it. As far as their view of my success, more than Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, anything that they were like, you just showed up. We were just watching the World Series and then you were there. It's so (laughs) exciting for them. That's a big one. The commercial, what I will say about commercials, and this baffles me, it does not translate over to serious acting reps in any way. Like you can book all the commercials you want. They just don't factor in it. They consider it like a, they consider it like a different art form. It's like singing to them, mm-hmm. which is fair because it is like a different type of acting, truly, but also crazy. Colbert, the thing about doing a Colbert is it's so legitimizing. And it's so, it's such a checklist item uh, career-wise. Mm-hmm. It's also a bigger deal like life-wise. Like doing commercials is very exciting, you know, particularly when you're filming with like a famous athlete and you're like, oh my God. And it's, big and as commercial set is five times the size of anything else for inexplicable reasons. Um, but from the day you start doing stand-up comedy, you dream of your first late night set. So when you show up there, it is just like, it's just a, it, emotionally, I was not ready for the emotions of Colbert. Right. I mean, yeah, because taping a TV set is a completely, it's something you can't, describe to somebody you just have to experience it for yourself you really do i mean i've talked to people after doing mine i like because <laughs> nobody told me this everybody talked to me about like you know look at you know you know just do your set it's fun and nobody mentioned to me that i would have the biggest emotional reaction of my life that week and it was this slow realization of me like i remember you know like Three nights, I was feeling great going into it. It was the bro joke, which, as you know, I, I had done that joke for two years straight, every showcase. 
everything. I think we all were tired of that joke <laughs> by the time I take over. We all were over that joke. It's a great joke. I'm so proud of it. That's the last time I ever said it was on Colbert. And I was like, I never want to say this joke again. I love it. Just was too many showcases uh, to speak of. And I was so tired of it. Um, but I remember doing a visualization like two nights before and I started crying mid set. And I was like, well, that's going to be a massive issue. That's going to be a big problem. <laughs> and and it if, was, I have a, if I have an emotional breakdown in the middle of my TV debut, it's literally doing like word for word, picture the room, picture the moment. And as I was doing it and picturing it, I looked up and I realized I was going to see my dad while I was performing. And I was like, immediately started to cry. And I was like, Oh, that's a big issue. So I was, I remember getting a shower, like going to my girlfriend being like, Hey, I, I think I might cry in the middle of my Colbert set. I'm very concerned about it. And it was a real concern. And then it was just so nerve wracking. It's just so nerve wracking there. It's, and you get one shot commercial, you get 500 takes, you get one shot at this thing. More nerve wracking than new faces. Oh Yeah. New faces, new faces, the way new faces is built, and I think it's correct for the record. I think that people should go up there later, better than earlier across the board. I think it's the way it should go. But as a result, by the time you go up there, like you're kind of already like I went up there with reps already. I wasn't there to get reps. Uh, I was like, it's also, I, I don't know. It was a big deal. Don't get me wrong. JFL was a huge deal. And for me, it was a mountain I had been trying to climb for years. But emotionally, Colbert was such a bigger deal. And I remember that I was so nervous. And then I did it. And, it, and everything went completely blank on stage. I had the most fun I've ever had doing stand-up. Walked backstage, handed the mic to the lady, started to cry, did not stop crying for about two days straight. The booker of Colbert, Jessica Pilot, who is like the nicest person, like she did that thing where she like, saw me crying was like i thought it went great and i was like that's <laughs> like no i'm an emotional person i'm so sorry i'm so sorry you're seeing me like this <laughs> like she was no like, it's, it's like crying at my graduation crying it's like yeah it was it was like graduating it was like oh i think i'm a real comic because it's so far away when you start it's so right. so distant to but get there was a big deal you brought up another point though about how colbert set was the last time you did the bro joke but that's one thing i guess they don't tell you like as a young comic, you know, one of the goal, one of the, there's the goal of doing a late night set, but then there's also the goal of getting new faces at Just for Laughs Montreal. Mm -hmm. So you audition for Just for Laughs. You're doing this set that you've honed, that you've honed for, for at least a year, you've honed your Just for Laughs set. Then you yep. do it at callbacks, then you get to Montreal, and then you have new jokes by then, but then Montreal tells you, no, do the set that you did. Got to do the audition. set. So then you're auditioning with that same set that you've done for a year and a half to two years. And then, Ugh. and then a booker from one of the late night shows sees you at Montreal and they go, we want you to do that set for Montreal. <laughs> yep. That's not including the SNL audition that follows afterwards where they want you to do the JFL set and the bub. I mean, it's just all these things compounded and not to mention, you know, and then your reps are like, Hey, well, you know, people are coming to see you. You should probably do the joke. That is your best joke by far. Cause it was my best joke at the time. Like, it was untouchable as far as the rest of my act. Not like it's untouchable as far as other people have better jokes, but like right. in my act, I was like, at the time I was like, this is just, just very with the times. It was so, so yeah. So by the time I did Colbert, I was like, never again. This and had, had you auditioned at that point for a crazy ex-girlfriend or no? 
So yeah. So by the time I, so that's what I mean by JFL of like you going up there late is the way to do it, but also going up there late. It's anti. I was like already on crazy X still in the period at that point where, um, cause I entered crazy X late and it was sort of this, like I was a two line co-star that then that I wasn't even, wasn't even the, the role Rachel was trying to get me. Like Rachel was just trying to like get me a credit, which is wonderful. She's I've known Rachel for forever. We're old friends. She's a lovely human and she's trying to get me a credit, which is so kind. So she just wanted me to be a dancing lawyer. That was the whole thing. It was just like, have a line, dance in the background of a shot. It'll be funny. We'll have a really fun, you know, for her, it's like she gets a friend on set for a day. I get a credit. We all win. Your, your SAG and dues the, are paid. and My SAG dues are paid. And, <laughs> um, and then the casting director, Felicia Fasano, who's the best, was like, can you actually read for this other two-line co-star? And it was this guy, George. And then that, Rachel was like, oh, I guess he's in the office technically. And so they brought me back. But it was still like this thing where it was like, am I really on the show? Or am I just like kind of being brought back. And then I, and then, and then the, the bit became, I kept getting fired, which felt like I was really being fired. Cause I was like, Oh, this is the end of the character. Oh, right. And then they'd be like, Oh, you're in the next episode. We're going to hire you back. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then they're like, and then we're going to fire you again. I was like, is this one real or are we? And so that was like my, so when I did JFL, I was on crazy X, but I was not secure. I felt very like, Every episode could be my last and every episode walking away being like, what an incredible journey this was. Couldn't they have told you, go, Danny, no, this is like a South Park, Kenny gets killed situation. <laughs> it's like, this is a recurring gag. Don't worry. They, We're not actually firing you, but we are going to fire you every time. I mean, you know, they tried to tell me that, but I'll tell you, I, I was so terrified. I was just <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, you say that, but it's gone. I'm done. <laughs> And they kept bringing me back. But that's, yeah, so I was terrified. But that experience has to be like doubly weird slash awesome because being a musical show, you're singing on network television. And then because it's a musical show, you actually got to go on tour afterward. It's insane. Which insane. Most, people, most people don't get to actually meet their fans. And the fans of Crazy X are the best. Just like, the best people like it attracted a fan base that is so smart and so into musicals and like just the best like truly one of these things where it's like early on uh when i you know i started when i did my fiance she was like she was like oh you're so friendly with with fans like i'm not and i'm always like yeah because they're great i was like it's not an issue with them i was like i i know people who are on tv shows where it's like their fans are a little weird or whatever. The Crazy X-Fans are the best. So doing those shows were so fun. And also with that said, I am a good singer and a fine dancer. So, <laughs> so it was also terrifying for me. Mm-hmm. Like it was particularly like the live, show, you know, the live shows were just like, I'm not good at this skill. You know, it isn't like doing stand up where I'm like, this is the skill I'm good at. 
I'm really good at, you know, I really have honed it. So I was like, I'm doing a thing. I'm like mediocre at at best, but here we go. Well, but it's a comedy. So doesn't that lighten the pressure? Because you're like, well, being bad is extra funny. So, so if yes I'm bad, no. people will think that's part of the gag. I've always believed bad, doing something bad for comedy's sake is never as effective as you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I like people want to see, I, I'm always a fan of like, try the give it, give your, giving your, I'll look bad no matter what, you know, it's not like I'm going to kill it, but, but I always wanted to give it my best. I want it. And then on top of it, it's like these other people are all Broadway level talents. <laughs> so you are like, they're all doing it well. So unless the gag, unless the gag of the song is Danny sucks, I shouldn't stick out like a sore thumb. I should, in fact, look like I know what I'm doing and try to match them a little. So, no, I was uh, sadly giving it my all. <laughs> Everything I had. But, and they still love you, so that's good. The best. The best. That, that, that show is, uh, it's just, it's weird being a part of something that you're like, in Hollywood in particular, you're just like, no, it's the best. It was the best experience. Everybody was the nicest. It was the best. I've did you have I, you know I, I know you said you, you you and Rachel go back a long way did you have any interactions with Adam Schlesinger so many um Adam is so uh for the yeah for the and I, well, <laughs> that's why I yeah. asked because you know we're a year into the pandemic and you know so many comedians have different experiences with having like the road taken away from them or you know the inability to do club shows but you know, right away in the beginning of the pandemic, Adam got COVID and died. So it's our family. Yeah, no, it was, it was wild how quickly the, it got real for crazy X, like literally for our, our show. And it was so fast. It was like, this COVID thing is happening. Everybody's inside. A lot of my friends kind of making fun of it. Remember early on, it was like, what is this thing? What's going You know, it wasn't even like, you know, now it's like people who aren't taking it seriously. It's like, you're a moron, but like, at the beginning it was like smart people were like, what is the odds of it actually killing you? You know, it was very confusing. And we, so Adam Schlesinger is uh, one of the songwriters on crazy X and a person who truly, I can't overstate what a scary human he should have been and what a kind human he was in real life. He is, this the guy who wrote that thing you do. This is fountains of Wayne Stacy's mom. This is a, and not to mention, just one of these guys who, like, you go through his IMDb, you're like, everything. You write all the music. Power pop genius. Everything. Yeah. And, and Crazy X, I mean, he's writing, he was writing so many of these songs. Him, Jack Dolge, and Rachel, it's the three of them responsible for every song. So um, he's just a brilliant person. He was so kind. And then, yeah, it was like two weeks into COVID, you know, we all got a text being like, hey, Adam's struggling he's you know going to the hospital and this was also early on where like we didn't know oh it was just horrible it was such a terrible experience it was just like this thing of like he's doing better it's getting better and then that was before we learned that like this disease just like does this thing where it lets you feel like you're getting better and then snatches you back so we also had this thing of like he's gonna be okay never mind and it was just stunning and so very early on i was like I was somebody who was like, people need to take this thing seriously because Adam, 
Oh, it's brutal. So a year later, how does that color how you look at your career and how you look at what you want to be accomplishing? Adam's death? Yeah. I think, well, I think Adam's death. So my thing when people die, this is so lame, but it's something I do, which is when somebody dies, I try to take a lesson from them and I make that like their lesson in my life. Like, oh, I always do this thing because I lost this person and this is something they, they taught me. And so, uh, for example, Kevin Barnett died. Kevin Barnett was somebody, was a really good friend of mine. Kevin was somebody who, if I was at a party, and Kevin was a, just everybody wanted, he was just clearly a star, a young star in Hollywood. Everybody wanted to be around Kevin. You'd go to a party with Kevin, and the biggest people in Hollywood would want to talk to him because he's this young talent. And Kevin would always just go to the funniest person in the room. His, his instinct was always, I don't care about Hollywood. Who's the funniest person in the room? That's who I want to hang out with. And I would always be at parties with him being like, buddy, you should be, I mean, these are people, there are people here who want to talk to you who are very important. Like, <laughs> Show like, business. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I was like, you don't have to network, but like play the game a little. Mm-hmm. He was just like, nah, I don't do that. Like, yeah. And just, so that's something I learned now. Like I'm always like, don't worry about who like the most successful comic and who's the funniest one. Just that focus on who's the funniest person. So with Adam, Adam, oh, I wish I had it with me, but Adam, um, he was just, he was, he was a genius who had no issue talking to me as a moron and just treating me with, like I was another genius. Like the way he would talk to me about my songs when I had to do a song where it was like, you know, <laughs> quite literally me showing up being like, hi, I don't know how, I don't know how to do it. Like I, it's, I don't know. And the only way I could learn the music was Adam would have to sing it for me. I would get a recording of Adam singing it and I would just mimic him okay. and I was able to do it. And that's how I do it. So my, my thing a year later, I think is less has to do with my comedy and more to do with like, I always want to make sure that no matter where I'm at career wise, treat treating everybody like everybody else is a genius. Everybody else deserves to be treated that way. Never making anybody, you know, they're at this point in their career. They have this amount. It doesn't matter. Like, just be so so good about it. not that i ever was terrible about that but that's my adam big thing because he was so good about that everybody you felt comfortable i felt comfortable going to adam with a question which i shouldn't have it's embarrassing <laughs> and, I, and he made me feel that way um yeah those are those are both good lessons to take away uh you, yeah you also made, made me think about this isn't comedy but about congressman john lewis and about causing good trouble like that's the lesson to take from him is cause some good trouble in the world. Yeah, it's true. It's like, you know, that's, that's how I like to view deaths and that's how I let people, you know, cause it's like, how do you memorialize somebody? It's very hard. And, you know, and then the physical thing never worked for me where it's like, I'm always going to have this like sticker and it's like cut to five years later. You're like, why is this sticker on this thing? Oh yeah. I guess I said I was going to stay. Yeah. It's like the physical thing never works. Cause, cause physical, but I'm always like lessons. I try to write little lessons and be like, that's going to be every time I do that, I'm going to remember it. every time I'm like, every time I'm like, no, ask me any question about, com- you know, comedy to, to, I'm just like, it's an Adam lesson. Adam taught me that. Yeah. Carry, carry their message, carry their, yeah. Their, pay it forward. I, like I that. think it's a better way to carry on someone's someone's uh you know who they were than like some like like hat uh or whatever. 
and and the lesson from you to young comics is uh, don't be afraid to put your stuff on YouTube. Truly. Don't be precious. That was something I was taught early and I still struggle with it is I remember like early on when I was doing sketch comedy, I think it was actually, I think it was Dan Greger, who is Rachel's husband came in to talk to us. This is when we were still students. Also another like phenomenally nice person. I remember telling him, I was like, I've got this sketch. It kills live. I don't want to record it yet. Cause it's like, it's just so good that like, I feel like it needs the right place. I just want to be like, don't be precious. You'll write another one. Just film it, get it out there. <laughs> and I still didn't really follow that advice. And years later it was like, Oh, this sketch is not that great. It was kind of of the moment, you know, comedy shifts quickly. Comedy moves really fast. So it's like what a, when a joke feels present to the times, get it out there. Cause even now, like I, you know, I've been posting the bro joke around a lot just because it's not on the special. So I was like, this is the only content I can post until March 23rd. Um, and people have been commenting himbo, which is a whole movement that has happened that I had no clue of. And now I'm like, oh, the joke doesn't feel as present because I should be mentioning himbos. You're right. And, and spoiler alert, they're getting better at fireworks. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not, Sean. They only... the. <laughs> Well, you'll have to watch. You'll have to watch Danny Jala's six parts to find. Well, my out. response to that is they have not. The only thing they've gotten better, and this is the only thing that has shifted, mm-hmm. is the drone shows. Right, are next level. It is not a firework, but drones have passed fireworks as far as that, and I believe will someday replace fireworks altogether because it is fifty million times better. Right, because they can spell the names and do the images. Spell and- the names. They're doing this. They're literally doing my joke. The yeah. the Biden. Um, yeah, they're doing it. Yeah, the Biden. Like all that stuff was like. Oh, oh yeah, I saw. <laughs> oh, I saw. Like, spoiler I went, alert. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw it and I went, not a firework. Very good. <laughs> Glad this joke's going out now because I think we're a year away from it feeling real old. Yeah, don't be precious. So I'm glad you got yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. Danny, yeah, yeah. But no, you're not wrong. <laughs> Thank you for thank you for bearing with me and uh uh sorry we didn't break news during this during this podcast but uh I know I know that he the, the, for the people we uh no, it was it, a chance I got a call. <laughs> the call it didn't will come. happen. The call will come. The call will come. The call will come but it won't happen on here. I'm nope. so sorry guys. That would have been exciting. <laughs> would have been an exciting moment for the pod. Stay tuned for breaking news. Thanks thanks so much Danny. Stay tuned for breaking news. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Things first.